I'm a deacon here at Mercy View. Tonight we will be reading from Romans 15, verses 14 through 21. Starting in verse 14. I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. But on some points I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder, because of the grace of God given because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that offer, the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God, for I will not venture to speak of anything what Christ, anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And thus, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on somebody else's foundation, but as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good evening. My name is Brad, one of the pastors here at Mercy View, and I want to just uh, join the welcome that Trey gave to you. If you're visiting with us tonight, we're so honored that you're here. Happy Memorial Day weekend. Um, I've told this story, I think, one other time, but it's been a while, so um, maybe this is a new one for you. But um, when my family and I were getting ready to uh, move to Tulsa uh, to plant Mercy View, gosh, almost 13 plus years ago now, um, one of the things that the Lord began to do in our hearts was uh, convict us of something. Um, we were in a neighborhood that uh, we had bought a home in, and um, you know we were starting to uh, get to know our neighbors that were directly to the left and right of us, but we really didn't know the rest of our neighbors. And the conviction was this, um, how could we with integrity say that we were getting ready to move to plant a church that we wanted to see, you know, lost people come to know Jesus and people who knew Jesus go deeper with Jesus. How could we say with integrity that we had what it takes to do that if we weren't sharing our faith with our neighbors, even though we knew even the neighbors just to the right and to the left of us, um, I don't really know if they knew that we were getting ready to do this thing and how much they really knew of our faith. And so one of the things that we decided to do was to throw a party. And um, we thought this is a great opportunity for us to get to know our neighbors and also share with them kind of what we're getting ready to do. Like when we move, they're gonna wonder like, where are the Andrews going? And so we have uh, this block party, and it was a smashing success. And one of the people that was a mystery to us that was right around the corner from where we lived was a, a gentleman who, in the neighborhood, went by the name of Big Buddha. And um, Big Buddha was a big man, a large man, and he sat out on his front porch um, often. And, um, but, but, you know, we never really connected with him until this block party. We had a, an opportunity to get to know him. And so anyways, in this, this uh, uh, party, uh, what I began to find was happening in my heart was the, the 
the gap between like, here's what the Lord was calling us to do. And here's what's really going on in my heart as it relates to evangelism. It started to get smaller. Like I, I started to feel like this was, this was a good start. This was a good beginning. And then I remember moving here. And, and what was so interesting about those first few months that we were here, uh, we parachuted in into a city that we had never really, we just didn't know a whole lot of people. We, didn't, we hadn't lived here. And it was going to take the work of God through us to be able to reach and connect with different people. And one of the first group, or groups of people that we met in that group, there was a couple, an elderly or an older couple. And um, uh, the, uh, the wife of that couple, uh, she said, I have been in and around the church for a long time, but I've not really placed my faith and trust in, in Jesus uh, and so we started to talk with her and share with her the gospel and try to help her see that her her story could be different, even though she was later in life and that she could find hope and, and forgiveness. And by God's grace, she came to know the Lord. She was actually the very first person that we baptized on um, the, the, the first public service we had on Easter Sunday of 2011. And I, I mentioned that because that, that story really doesn't make a whole lot of sense in my life unless you go back to the block party before we moved here and trying to think through what does it mean for us to have integrity in our evangelism and in the mission that God has given us. For me, for our family, it was, was thinking about this idea of church planning. For you, it may not be necessarily church planning. It may just be where you live, like your neighbors, where you work, where you play. But we've all been given this, this call uh, by God to be on mission wherever he has placed us or sometimes where he sends us. Tonight we are really coming to the end of a series that we've been in since the fall of 21. And uh, in the fall of 21, we began by looking at the first like 12 chapters of the book of Romans. And the first 12 chapters of the book of Romans is Paul's. Uh, magnum opus, like his his take on here is who God is, here is who you are, and here's how great God meet how this great God meets sinners and redeems them. It was very theological, very doctrinal. But as we come to the second half of the book of Romans, we are looking at this idea: what does it mean for us to sing the anthem of grace that we know, we understand that that we've uh, brought into our lives? How do we live that out? Okay, so the first half of the book of Romans is really about doctrine. It's about theology. It's about who God is, who we are. But then the second half of the book of Romans is what do we do with that information in our lives practically? And we've looked at a lot of things, but as we've come to the end of this, this book, uh, Paul is, you got to remember this is a letter. And Paul is going to end this, this, this letter by giving us some really personal thoughts from himself. Um, it's, it's actually been really interesting to prepare for this even tonight because if you read the, if you read the passage just, that Lauren just read for us, um, it may be hard to grab, like, Paul's talking about himself a lot. What does that have to do with me? And that's a good question, and I, we're going to get at that question tonight. And as we do that, I really want you to see three things from uh, this passage tonight in Romans 15. The first is this, all Christians are in the ministry. All Christians are in the ministry. Second, Christian ministry is about the application of grace. And then third, Christian ministry is about the extension of grace. So again, all Christians are in the ministry. Christian ministry is about the application of grace. And lastly, Christian ministry is about the extension 
of grace. So if you have your Bibles, keep them open to Romans chapter 15, beginning actually there in verse, I want to start in verse 15, uh, if we can. We'll come back to 14 here in just a moment. So here's what Paul says in verse 15. Let me read that again. This is going to give us a really great starting point tonight. He says, because um, of the grace that had been given to him by God, he has become something, right? He says that he is writing to his friends because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God. And I want us to start to get a picture of what Paul is doing here as he is wrapping up this letter. Here in verse 15, Paul is saying this, something has so interrupted his life that he is now a new man. Something has so changed his life that his work, his passions in life, his future is now radically different. Something has overtaken him, and it's, it's replaced the selfish desires to live only for himself and himself alone. And, and now he has a new focus, a new, um, a new pursuit in his life. You, you may remember Paul's story. His life was redeemed by God away from a life of persecuting and even approving the killing of Christians. From a human perspective, the story of Paul at that point would have been that he was too far gone for God's forgiveness. But, but what we see in the story of Paul is where he should have received justice. Instead, God interrupts his life and brings mercy to him. Paul says that He received grace, right? And that grace has now become the fuel for something in his life. Again, look what it says. He says that this undeserved grace from God has now become his ministry to others. And the ministry that he actually has is to offer the same grace that he's received to other people. In fact, the whole book of Romans really is a snapshot of this, Paul over and over and in a multitude of ways is showing us what it looks like when God's grace overwhelms a man or a woman. It changes them. They're never the same again. And it gets them moving in a certain direction. It actually gets them outside of themselves and propels them to share that same grace with other people. Now, Paul in this passage tonight is, is, is absolutely talking about himself. He's talking about his ministry and what the Lord has done through him. But don't miss this. He is describing what should be true of all Christians here. When God saves you from your sin and gives you a new life, God's intention is not for you to just enjoy and experience the gospel only for yourself. That was never the trajectory of the gospel in the life and the ministry of Jesus or the the, the lives and the ministry of the disciples, the early church. The gospel had always meant to be, as the greatest Scottish theologian Thomas Chalmers uh, once said, expulsive. It is meant to move from one Christian to those around them. And the gospel was always intended to have an outward movement. 
And that's the first thing I want to invite you to see this evening. Because of that, because of that, all Christians are in the ministry. This ministry that Paul is talking about in his own life is the ministry that you and I have been called to because of the grace of God in our lives. When God saves you from your sin and when he gives you a new life, this, this, um, this life now that you have is not just for you to hoard the gospel. It was never the trajectory of your life when you received grace. How do we know that that's true? Well, we talk about this often here at Mercy View. Um, if, if all Christians are in the ministry, um, that means that every single person here tonight that says, hey, I'm a believer, I'm a follower of Christ, um, ministry is for you as much as it is for me. And, and maybe another way we could say it this way, ministry is not primarily meant to be thought of as vocational, like as a job. Now, I have the privilege of having a job where I get to uh, preach and disciple, and there's just a lot of, uh, it's fun, it's awesome. But, but that isn't the only place where ministry happens, right? Ministry is meant to be something that we all do. In fact, our, our new vision statement really captures this, this idea. If you remember it, it says this, Mercy View exists to equip individuals, Families and communities to be formed in the gospel to the glory of God. We get that idea from Ephesians 4 where Paul says that God gives to the church apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers for what? The equipping of the saints for what? The work of service or ministry so that the body of Christ can be built up. And when Paul uses the word saints there, he is not referring to some elite Christians. He is referring to all Christians, every Christian. So if you're a believer here tonight, that includes you. If you claim to be a receiver of God's grace, we don't outsource ministry. Like we, we own that. We, we say we are a part of the ministry. We say this, we are the ministry here at Mercy View. And I think one of the things that hangs us up maybe is the word ministry. Um, but, but the word ministry in the Bible just simply means service. It's, it's not a position, but rather it's something that all of us have received, like Paul is saying in his life, because of grace. And, and Paul is saying here that all Christians receive grace when they're saved. And then when God redeems you, because you're redeemed through unmerited favor, unearned grace, you, that grace is meant to do something in your life rather than just to be something that you enjoy for yourself. Paul is saying this, grace enrolls us all in the work of ministry. All of us are inviting or being invited into this work grace decentralizes ministry it's not just for paid ministry leaders all of us are are brought into this because we've all experienced that same grace so if you've received grace you are a minister of that grace to others around you we're going to come back again to what that might mean for you in just a moment but paul's first big takeaway is this all Christians are in the ministry. All Christians are in the ministry. Now, Paul 
is going to talk about a couple of ways that Christians are involved in ministry here. So look with me, if you would, back at verse 14, where we began reading tonight. Remember, Paul has spent much of, of Romans 12 through, through 14 confronting his friends because they have lost focus in some areas and they have gotten that focus off of what should be the main thing, which is the gospel. And he even admits himself, look there in verse 15, that, that he has written boldly to them on some points. So he, he knows he has been strong. He knows that after have spoken a lot of truth to them, they might wonder, does Paul love us? Does Paul really care about us? Or is he just trying to get us to shape up? But look what he says, the beginning of 14. He says that he is satisfied that his friends are full of what? Goodness, full of knowledge, and that they are able to instruct one another. So here's what Paul is saying to his friends. He's saying, friends, don't misunderstand me. Yes, there are things that you need to shore up. Do not neglect those things. But the church culture that is there, that exists in the Roman church, is filled with goodness. Your knowledge of the gospel is bearing fruit because you're using that to instruct or to teach others about it around you. He's saying, I am so encouraged by that, and you should be too. Here's what I think Paul is doing. And it's really connected to the, the first point that we just made. Paul is saying that one of the ways that the gospel gets us outside of ourselves actually happens inside the church. Let me just say that again. One of the ways that the gospel is meant to get outside of us is actually there's, there's a sense in which there, that happens inside the, the four walls of a church. So here's what that means. One of the ways that you and I are to extend grace that we have received is to extend that same grace to others within this local church. Like gospel ministry in the local church is grace ministry. Notice that Paul says about his friends in the Roman church a few things about them. First he says that they were filled with goodness and knowledge. And I actually think there is an inverse relationship between those two things. Now, when Paul says knowledge, I don't think he is talking about just information about the gospel. Um, the gospel of God is historical news. It's facts about God grounded in history. But I think that what Paul is talking about here is that the Roman church is so immersing themselves in the good news of what Jesus had done and is doing for them, they are experiencing the goodness of God's grace. And then because they're experiencing that grace, that is in turn making them full of goodness. Goodness is begetting goodness. Are you with me? So if we stop there, though, it really could fly in the face of our first big point tonight. We're all ministers of the gospel. Because if, if we only receive God's goodness and become full of that goodness, that can happen just like inside of us and never get to others outside of us. But Paul 
says that he is encouraged because his friends in the Roman church have so saturated themselves in the goodness of God's gospel that they are now able to instruct others around them. That's outward momentum there, right? Paul is, I think, saying this. When you put yourself in the way of the gospel, it gives you a certain kind of ministry in the church. So if all Christians are ministers, and one of the ways that you and I minister to one another is to instruct one another about the grace that we have received, then, then, then the gospel starts to have this outward momentum. It's part of what Paul is talking about tonight. And this really is the second thing that I want to invite you to see this evening. Christian ministry is about the application of grace. Now, let me tell you what I mean by that. That word instruct that Paul uses in this verse, I don't want you to get hung up on that because you might think that means uh, like, a, like a classroom setting, okay, where there's a, a teacher and students and, in, and you're instructing them. I mean, I, it, it, that's kind of in there, but, but really what, what Paul is talking about here is that you and I, as Christian ministers, we're all Christian ministers, we have been given a responsibility in the church to be about the work of helping others apply the grace of Jesus to their lives. Does that make sense? And it reminds us that that sometimes and most of the time, this as well, you will need others to remind you of that as well. So you are involved in the work of helping others do that, but you will also many times need others to do that for you as well. So one of the ways I like to communicate this idea, and I'm making up a word here, so please forgive me, but uh, of how we help one another apply the gospel to our lives is to say that you and I, as Christian ministers, are to be about the work of gospeling others in our faith community. But here's why I say it that way. If the gospel is an announcement about what Jesus has done in his life, his death, his resurrection, when we gospel other people, we are proclaiming all that is found in the gospel, which, friends, is a lot, to someone else. Why? Because even after we receive the the gospel of Jesus into our lives, can we just be honest? We all still struggle with unbelief. Unbelief is a reality for all Christians. But unbelief about what? Well, all sinful behavior is the result of unbelief in Jesus, right, in some way. Now, that unbelief may result from ignorance or lies that we believe or truths that we know but don't trust in. And so what God intends to do in the local church through you, and again, sometimes you're going to receive this from from others, is that we need one another to help remind us all, remind our hearts of what is true, of what is true about Jesus, so that the joy of our salvation can be restored. Thus, that our ministry in, in the local church or an aspect of it. If, if I could communicate what I think is at the heart of all of our ministry here at Mercy View, it would be this. We are trying to help everybody here in every context for discipleship apply the gospel to their lives 
so that they can experience the abundant life that Jesus has promised us. So if you're a partner here at Mercy View, um, that is what I would want you to know about like what, what I hope we're working on together as a, a church family. And, and, and our heart as leaders is to equip you so that you can dispense that grace to the people around you, whether that's here on a Sunday night or in a gospel community or in a D group or any setting where we're gathering together around community and, and, and Jesus. Now, here's the, the thing, though. This word grace gets misunderstood sometimes. Um, it doesn't mean that your ministry will always be marked by niceness. Okay? Sometimes the most gracious thing that you can do for a brother or sister that's in your life is to speak the truth in love to them. And sometimes it's a difficult word. But, but the aim in our ministry to one another in the church is to see God use his gospel to bring about a gospel awakening in the lives of those around us, a gospel change, transformation in the life of another believer. Friends, that's why I got in this. Like, this is why I am in the ministry. I want to see the gospel change people's lives. And one of the ways that you and I do that in the local church is that we help others apply the gospel to their lives. And there's a lot to be said about that. In fact, I want to recommend a book to you um, to just kind of if you're struggling with this or you have questions about this, it's a book called Gospel Fluency by uh, pastor and author Jeff Vanderstel. And uh, Jeff just does a, 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 an amazing job of helping us see how really all Christians need the gospel. But as you start to experience the grace of the gospel in your life, it starts to propel you outward and outside of the four walls of the church as well, which is what we're getting ready to talk about. So Christian ministry is about the application of grace. So we've said that all Christians are in the ministry. We just said that one of the ways that we minister to one another, particularly in the church, is by helping one another apply the grace that they've experienced. It's a giving and receiving of grace all around. But also Paul has another outward movement in mind here as well. In other words, there is another way that Paul desires to see the gospel move out from us to others. Look with me, if you would, again, back at verse 15. Romans 15, verse 15. Paul says that the grace that he has been given has propelled him also to extend the gospel to a group of people that would have been considered outside of the church at one time, a group of people called the Gentiles. And that's what this means here when Paul said that, that the uh, gospel ministry was propelling him to share the gospel with the Gentiles. Those are individuals, a group of people who didn't know Jesus yet. Remember, the Gentile people would have been a, a thought of as being outside of God's grace. But Paul, and we saw this through the, throughout the book of Romans, God, because of what he accomplished through his son Jesus on the cross, has now broken down that barrier and made his mercy available to all. 
we've used this phrase a few times in our series, but what Jesus did through the cross has made the mercy of God wider. Remember the old hymn that we talked about? There is a wideness in God's mercy. That is what Paul is talking about here. And he's saying that another way that God desires to see his gospel get outside of us to others is outside of the four walls of the church. In fact, Paul says it in multiple ways in our passage today. In verse 17, he again speaks of his work among the Gentiles. In verse 19, he says that this was a major part of his ministry all the way from Jerusalem to Elycrium. And then in verse 20, he says this, look there, you just read that again. He says, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. And here we start to get a real sense of what the grace of God had done in Paul's life. It gave him a new ambition. And this ambition was to see the gospel move. And I love how he he says it here, to places where Christ has not yet been named. And here's the last thing that I want you to see tonight. Paul is showing us through his life. Christian ministry is also about the extension of grace. You heard this in Jacob's story or a story earlier when he was talking about the the opportunity he had to share the gospel with a with a Chinese student uh, at TU. I'm reminded too of of like the work that we've we've told you about that Jerry and Jama are doing in the public school system by helping kids study the Bible. How amazing is that? Many of you here are faithfully. Uh, not hoarding the grace that God has given you and sharing it with those uh, around you. And you, you know, because you're on the front lines of unbelief, it is humbling work. It's difficult work, but it's supremely rewarding work. And this is different than the gospel work we were just talking about inside the church, though, though that's very important. We are talking about bringing the gospel to those who do not know it or haven't heard about it. Missionally speaking, this means that the gospel is flowing from those who have it and know it to those who don't. So you can imagine, you start to ask the question like, well, where are those places? Do those, those places exist in Tulsa? Because typically we think, surely those, those places exist in other parts of the world. And, and that is true. And we want to see the gospel there. And if what we just said is that the gospel needs to go from where it is to where it isn't, the, the, the beauty of that, it means really the gospel um, can, can flow from you wherever the Lord has placed you. And it may be that for the rest of your life, God is positioning you to be a, a, a Christian minister, a missionary here in Tulsa. And so the gospel can flow from you to those around you that, that do not have it. But it may mean for some of you that the Lord is going to send you like we sent the Hoyts to Albuquerque to a place that, that is in desperate need of gospel hope. So there could be something stateside. There could be something globally that, that the, the Lord uh, sends you to. We have folks in our church right now that are, are weighing that call, praying that call, being trained and tested for that call. We, you guys know we have sent folks 
to minister in places. Jim and Laura Campbell come to mind in Oldham, who are in an extremely diverse population that is in desperate need of gospel hope. So in all of those instances, we can say what is true is the gospel is, is with those people and, and the mission of God is to that gospel to get out from the Hoyts and from the Campbells and from those here in our own city that are ministering um, to, to folks, from them to others where it isn't. And let me just break this to all of you, and this is convicting for me. All of us are called into that kind of work in some way. You may have heard John Piper, Pastor and Author John Piper, say, say it this way, and it's strong, just heads up. You are either a goer, a sender, or disobedient. Now, cinder means you, you might support financially, you might support uh, in prayer, you might be a part of a local church that, that trains up and sends people to other places. But God intends for his grace to move from where it is to where it isn't. So some of us need to wrestle with that. I need to wrestle with that. Think about my neighborhood. I need to think about my coworkers, my boss. I need to think about the places where I, I hang out and frequent or play. One of the things that you all know about us here at Mercy View is we are committed to multiplying locally ministering churches among the under-gospeled here in our own city and in the country. And, and as a part of Acts 29, as a part of the Southern Baptist Convention, we aim to partner with church planners that are seeking to plant gospel-centered churches anywhere. And we not only want to see churches planted at a sustainable rate out of our fellowship, but we want to see those churches also infused with the DNA of being a church planting church as well. And one of the ways that we're responding to and, 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 and trying to say, God, show us where you're work and we want to join you is by placing people that we are developing partnerships with uh, in, in places like the UK, immigrant recipient cities. Lauren and, and Jim that are there are, are um, working with a, an extremely poor community on the edge of Manchester. And, and we are so proud of the work that they're doing to serve per Persian and Pakistani communities among them. We're obviously supporting other people um, that are on mission all over the world, whether it's through prayer or, 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 or giving. Here's what I just, I think I, I want to say here um, with this is like, um, if all Christians are called to also be extenders of grace, that means we're all not only Christian ministers, but Christian missionaries. We're all missionaries. And so we all have to wrestle with this question of, Lord, what does that mean for me? And one of the things that you may want to do is to talk to somebody like Jacob. Because maybe your question is this, I don't know how to share my faith with my coworkers. Or I, I just don't know how to share my faith. Jacob would be a great person to hang out with and talk to. He, he's been trained, but also he, he knows the difficulties and the challenges that, that might come, and, and he can be an encouragement to you. The mission team here at, at Mercy View is filled with folks who um, are on the front lines of, of, of mission here in our own city and have served in, in other parts of our world too, and they would love to talk with you about what it means to own this part of what it means to be a Christian. But if all Christians are our, our ministers, we're all um, about to be about the work of applying grace to others. This is also a major part of it. This is what Paul is trying to say about his own life and by proxy to us. Like, we have to be about the mission of God 
as well in our lives. And so I want to end here. There really is a foundational truth that runs all through this text. And it's important for us to see because if we don't, this work of ministry that we're called to can become about us. Yes, if we're Christians, we're called into the ministry. The ministry is both the application and the extension of grace. But in all of our work, and this is so important, it is God who is at work through us. You caught that, right, when Paul said that. And it is for God that we do this gospel work. You see it there in verse 17. He says, in Christ Jesus, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. That's the right kind of pride. He's boasting in the right kind of of thing there. And in verse 18, it couldn't be clear. He says, I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience. Do you see what Paul is talking about here? The only thing, and I mean the only thing that Paul will talk about here is what Christ did through him. Yes, Paul worked and he was faithful. You will work and be faithful to what God has called you to do, but it will always be Christ working through you. And that does give us a sense of significance. I think God intends to give us a sense of significance by doing that, but God gets to keep all the glory if we do it this way. Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians 15, I worked harder than any of them, But it wasn't me, but the grace of God that is with me. Paul had it right. Paul's whole perspective about ministry was so spot on. He had been so overcome with the grace of God, he he knew to take any credit for it would take glory away from God. So whether you're in the work of, of application, the application of grace or the extension of grace, friends, it is always God who is at work. In fact, in verse 16, when Paul says that his work is sanctified by the Spirit, it means this. The Spirit was deciding what uh, it looks like to prepare a holy people for the Lord. Like it's the work of the Spirit. We start to see the Trinity at play here, right? But the purpose of all of this is not to make much of us. It's not for us to be recognized, not for people to appreciate us. Yes, we will experience joy in this ministry that we're talking about tonight. And it at times can even be thrilling. But the only way that we get there is if we disappear. We must decrease so that he can increase. And friends, when God is strong in our weakness, not only do we truly depend on him, But he does, as as we see in verse 19, miraculous things. Things that can only be explained because God showed up. So we engage in Christian ministry. This is the truth. So that God gets the glory. I love how Piper says this. John Piper says, God will not be honored in our work. If we are not thrilled by his glorious work in our work. Who is our ministry for? Ultimately. It's not for us. It's not ultimately even for the people that we are ministering to. Though they will be blessed by it. It is to make much of God. Let's honor God. 
by being thrilled about his work that he is doing through us. Let's boast in that. Let's pray together.